0: So let's hear from God's Word from Matthew 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38, a short reading. And after that, Kenny Hanna, who's a rural chaplain, will come and he's going to present just something about his work among the community here in which we live and beyond. So, we going to pass over to him after we read from God's Word. This is God's Word, Matthew 9 and verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We thank God for his word.
1: If you've got a, a Bible, uh, let me encourage you, please, to open it up at Matthew 9:35 to 38. That would be great. If you don't have a Bible, you probably have a phone. And you could put it on silent, look up Bible Gateway and get the passage there. But really helpful to open up a Bible. Please, that would be great. Thank you. So I want us to think about compassion, about having a heart of love and care for people. And I'm sure you can remember when people have said unkind things to you. Or done unkind things to you. And we're really good at remembering those unkindnesses, aren't we? And I want to encourage you, as I speak, and I'm speaking to myself here too, that if people have said something unkind or done something unkind to you, and you're holding on to that, this is just a by the way, and you're holding on to that, please let it go. For one thing, it dishonours God. And for another thing, it eats up at you. It's a really unhealthy thing. And I want us to think this morning about the opposite of that. Not about people's lack of kindness, but about people's kindness. And ultimately, about Jesus' kindness, the Good Shepherd's compassion. And how Jesus, the Good Shepherd's compassion, actually leads to action. I mean, it led him to action, didn't it? It took him all the way to the cross where he died there in place of anyone at all who would trust in him and love him back and follow him. And it should lead us to action too so that we love Jesus back. So I know you've heard all this stuff before in Rich Hill for decades and it's not new to you, but maybe you've never loved Jesus back. Maybe you've never loved him back. Today will you begin to love Jesus back for all that he's done for you. And then as you love Jesus back, we need to share his love with others. We need to show them compassion. The background to this is that in Matthew chapters 5 to 7, we've had like the book of Jesus' words. Jesus has been teaching. And then Matthew 8 to, to Matthew nine 34, we've got like the book of Jesus' actions. Jesus has been doing things. And what we have then in this passage, Matthew 9, 35 to 38, is we have Jesus' words and Jesus' actions coming together. And they come together with this purpose, that the good shepherd's compassion leads to action. So what does that look like? Well, it certainly looks like this. First of all, the good shepherd brings us God's compassion. And if you look with me at verse 36, you'll see that God's Heart is the almighty motivator that that drives this whole passage forward. When he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, it says, he had compassion for them. And what we need to get here is that Jesus didn't simply show human pity. That would be powerful enough. But rather what Jesus did here is that Jesus showed God's almighty, God's all tender compassion. This is God's heart. People sometimes ask, what does God look like? Well, here is God's heart. Jesus, the Son of God, had compassion for people. I know a shepherd, and when his ewes are lambing, he sleeps in one of these. Now, he doesn't sleep in one of these at Cranfield in the summer. He sleeps in one of these in the depths of winter, in December and January. And I've seen inside this thing, it's bogging. And it's cold. And it's cramped. So why does he do that? Is he mad? Perhaps slightly. But he does it because he cares. He has compassion in his heart. He cares for the ewes If they're in difficulty lambing, he'll be there. He cares for the little lambs. If they're in trouble, he'll chip feed them. He'll get them on their feet. He has compassion in his heart. It's impressive, isn't it? But I know someone, and his compassion just blows that out of the water. Because the compassion Jesus, the Good Shepherd, offers us is God's almighty, all-tender compassion. I wouldn't even be a Christian without this. And without this compassionate heart of Jesus, there's no hope for any of us. But with it, there's hope for all of us, for any of us, because Jesus, the Good Shepherd, offers us God's almighty, all tender compassion. That means there's hope for any of us here this morning. So Jesus, the Good Shepherd, offers everyone, without exception, God's almighty, all tender compassion. So this is for you, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, if you don't love Jesus in your heart, if you don't follow him in your life day by day, if this hour on a Sunday morning makes no impact upon you, if it was in one ear and out the other, you need to know that Jesus shows you God's almighty, all tender compassion. And here's the thing. So... If if that is so, if that is the case, if this is the truth, and Jesus tells us his word is truth, if this is the truth, have you responded to Jesus, the good shepherd who offers God's compassion to you? Have you responded? Have you? I can't see inside your heart, but God can. Have you, hand on heart, have you responded to Jesus and his compassion for you on the cross? Have you responded? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Are you saying, Jesus, you died for me, I'm going to live for you. I've got my whole future ahead of me, Jesus, as a young person at school or at uni or out at work. I've got my whole life ahead of me as somebody who's busy in family life. I've got my life ahead of me as somebody who's retired. Jesus, I'm going to give it to you. Have you responded? So what does that look like, this compassion of Jesus? I mean, it's amazing. The way Matthew explains it for us here. Because secondly, the Good Shepherd cares for us completely, he He cares for every area of our lives. And so Jesus, the Good Shepherd, cares for us physically, if you just look with me please at verse thirty five. And Jesus went through to all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. It means either that Jesus healed everybody he met or every kind of sickness he met. But he cares for us physically. How come in our country we have an NHS? Ultimately, we do not have the NHS because it was somebody's bright idea. I mean, why do we have a health service that is free at the point of need? And lots of other countries don't have anything or they have it and you have to pay for it. Why do we have it and we have it free? Have you ever asked yourself the question, why is that? It's because of Jesus. Because our country, going back centuries, was founded upon Jesus' principles. That you care for the weak. That you look after those who are sick. That those who can't help themselves, you help them. And we have an NHS in our country because of Jesus and Christian principles going back centuries. Jesus, you see, continues to care for us physically. So next time you're in the hospital visiting somebody, you're there yourself you think, of your, you think to yourself, this is Jesus' idea. Jesus cares for us physically. He cares for us mentally as well. Uh, if you look at verse 36, then he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, these people are harassed and helpless. It means they are down, or downcast or dejected. It is mental health illness. And... Uh, we're not very good at this in Northern Ireland. We're not very good at saying I have a mental health issue. And I want to encourage you today, if you're struggling this way, I mean, please speak to somebody. I mean, speak to, your, speak to Alistair or speak to some of the ministry team here or speak to one of the elders or make an appointment with your GP. But, but please get help. This is so important. And if you know somebody and you suspect they may be struggling this way, sensitively and wisely, get alongside them and, and just say, I've noticed you haven't quite been yourself. Can I get you help? I mean, why not, why not ring the, the GP now and, and I'll come with you? I'll take time off work, I'll take an hour and we'll do this together. Jesus cares for us mentally. That's why we have mental health support services in our country too. And then Jesus cares for us spiritually, verse 35. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So Jesus was proclaiming, he was a preacher. And he was proclaiming the gospel. He was explaining that, that he would die on a cross and, and he would rise again. And, and he would do that to, to forgive our sins, that our sins would be punished in him. And as he would rise again when we are united to him by faith, his resurrection is ours and and we don't need to fear death. I mean, isn't it really something not to be afraid of death? There aren't many taboo subjects. I mean, they'll put any muck on TV these days. Any rubbish you want, you can get it on the sky. Any rubbish. Any rubbish is there. Apart from death, There's not all that much really dealing with death. It's a taboo subject, but Jesus says, when you trust in me, because of the gospel, you don't need to fear death. I've risen again, I've beaten it. And then Jesus was teaching in their synagogues, systematically opening up the Bible, just like what happens here week by week in Rich Hill. I want to just pause it and say something, and this is really important. Matthew 9 is certainly not... It's certainly not teaching if you come to Jesus, you'll never have any more physical or mental or spiritual problems. This is not a health, wealth, and prosperity message. You will not find that in the Bible, quite the opposite. But it is this, that Jesus cares for us completely, be it physically, be it mental health-wise, be it spiritually. Jesus cares for us as complete people. In fact, there's nobody who loves you like Jesus does. Nobody. Nobody. There's nobody who cares for you like Jesus does. It's a little bit like this. I want you to imagine you've a patch of ground. Let's say it's in your garden. It could be in a field, but it's too wet or too steep to do anything constructive with. So in your garden, you might make a rockery out of it. That's really all it's good for. If it's a field, you might use it for an environmental scheme, but you kind of feel it's almost wasted. Well, you see, Jesus, the good shepherd, makes it really clear to his followers that there are no patches of our lives that are wasted. I mean, sometimes I look at patches of my life, maybe physically or or mentally or, or spiritually, and I say, look at the cut of that. I mean, would you just look at that, Lord? What a mess that is. What a waste. And Jesus says to his followers, he says, no, it's not. And Jesus says to his followers, nothing with me is wasted. Not one thing is wasted with Jesus if you love him. Nothing in your life is wasted. And actually, he says, when he gets us to heaven, he's going to reclaim us completely. Nothing's wasted with Jesus. Isn't that good news? So if you really follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd, but you despair of a particular area of your life or a sin you're struggling with, please be encouraged that Jesus will remake you completely brand new. He has not finished with you yet. So don't give up on yourself because Jesus will keep you forever when you love him. He promises that. And If there's a family member or a friend and they seem a million miles away from Jesus, the good shepherd, for whatever reason, please understand that Jesus, he can remake them completely brand new. So don't give up on them. Maybe you've invited them along here dozens of times and they'll never come, or maybe they've come once. And you're thinking, well, look, they'll never come to know Jesus. How do you know? How do I know? I mean, keep praying for them. Keep encouraging them along to some of the things that are happening here that are really easy to come to events, Um, like the the concert that was mentioned earlier on. There's some stuff here that's really easy to invite anybody along to begin there, but don't give up and keep praying for them. Or maybe you yourself feel that you're the lost cause, and you've heard all this stuff for years, and you think, will I ever begin to follow Jesus? I mean, please be encouraged that, that nothing could be further from the case, because Jesus, he cares for you completely. And he'll begin to, to change you and remake you if you'll ask him, if you'll trust him. But unless I've, I've been mistaken, there aren't exactly crowds of people queuing up, banging down our doors on the Lord's Day on a Sunday, asking, what must I do to be saved? In fact, it seems to me that people will take help from almost any source today apart from Jesus. Jesus. And that makes the warning that comes next really important. And here it is. Thirdly, choose the right shepherd to guide you. If you just look, please, at verse 36. When he, that's Jesus, the good shepherd, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, it says they were like sheep without a shepherd. It doesn't say they were sheep without a shepherd because they had shepherds. I mean, God had given them prophets and priests and kings to teach the truth or to model the truth. But often these prophets and priests and kings were ungodly, unfaithful. And notice the result. It says here that people are like sheep without a shepherd. It means they are uncertain, and therefore they're easy to attack. They're always vulnerable. And so what did God do? Well, God is always proactive. God always takes the initiative, the first step with us. And so God sent faithful prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Micah to say, I will remove these unfaithful shepherds and I will send a faithful shepherd in their place. And so Jesus came. And how did Jesus describe himself? John 10, verse 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Folks, Jesus, the good shepherd, he's the one you have been waiting your whole life for. He's the one you've been waiting 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 plus years for. He's the one you've been waiting for. And his name is Jesus, and he's the good shepherd. And he's the one you're looking for and searching for and hoping for and longing for. And there's no hope without him because, of course, if we don't choose the right shepherd to guide us, we're always going to be uncertain, tells us here. So it doesn't matter how big our house is, how nice our car is, how lovely our family are, how wonderful our job is, how many qualifications we have. You see, if you don't know Jesus, you will always be uncertain. You will always have that question. Is there more to life than this? And you'll never be totally satisfied. I promise you that. Even on your deathbed, if you have consciousness, you will always be uncertain without Jesus. And if you die without Jesus, there's no hope there. It's lostness forever. There's no hope without Jesus, honestly, just uncertainty. And that gnaws away at us. When I was a boy, we used to keep our sheep there. It's Akram Hill. It's just uh, about a five minute walk up the road from our farm. And one day, Dad, I was in primary school at the time. One day, Daddy and Uncle John and I went up together, the sheep. And uh, we got most of them down in the first gather. But if you know anything at all about sheep, if you want them to go left, they'll go right. And if you want them to go forward, they'll go back. And if you want them to stop, they will start. If you want them to start, they will stop. And that's sheep. And we got most of them down in the first gather, but not all of them. And Daddy said to me, now you stay here with the sheep and Uncle John and I will gather the rest of them and then we'll come back. And I said, okay, Daddy. But what I actually meant was, no way, Daddy. I'm not listening to you. And so once I got Daddy and Uncle John away, I headed off by myself and I thought, I'll gather the rest of the sheep. But the problem was I was in primary school and the bracken was way over my little primary school-sized head. And I got lost and disorientated. Somehow or other, I made my way off Akram Hill and one of our neighbours left me down to our farm. And you see, I got lost and disorientated and I lost my sense of peace. And why was that? It was because I didn't listen to the shepherd. In fact, arrogantly and foolishly, I thought I knew more than the shepherd. What a fool I was. An utter fool. And may I say, Um, Those of us who are following Jesus, the Good Shepherd, please listen to him as he speaks to you through his word, the Bible. Please listen. In your quiet time day by day as you read the Bible, on a Sunday or in other Bible studies here during the week, as Jesus speaks through his living word, please listen, please take aboard his word so that it changes you, makes you more like him and less like our natural sinful selves. Or if you've never listened to Jesus, never trusted him, listen to him today for the first time, please, and give your heart and life to him. Because I got into all sorts of trouble that day because I didn't listen to the shepherd. I thought I knew better than him. Please do not be like me. Please don't be like me. But if we will listen, if we will love Jesus back for his love for us and, and then listen to his word and put it into practice in our lives and it changes us and it, it makes us more like Jesus, here's what happens and here's the last thing. And then we're done. Fourthly and finally, the good shepherd's followers are to bring his compassion to others. So, so this, last, this last bit is like a tapestry and all the threads finally come together with this picture. And it's the picture of the fact that the good shepherd's compassion leads to action. Here's where we started and here's where the passage finishes. If you look with me, please, at verses 37 and 38. And then he, Jesus, the good shepherd, said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so the picture has changed. It's moved away from needy sheep and a shepherd to to harvest field and harvest workers the picture is different but the message is just the same that followers of jesus the good shepherd are to be sent out to show his followers uh, to show others surely his compassion to show his compassion to people who are like lost sheep they are harassed and they are helpless without the lord jesus And since Jesus brought me to follow him in, in 1990, this is what gets me up out of bed every day. To show Jesus' compassion to, to, to people who don't know it, who don't know him. And don't miss the, the absolute necessity, not just a prayer generally, but notice this particular prayer. We to pray earnestly for God the Father, Lord of the harvest, to send out more gospel workers into his harvest field. And you're doing a course about that. Just now, aren't you all about what it means to live for Jesus and, and how we can share Jesus by our lives and, and by what we say. Sometimes I think we make this really complicated. I'm just a simple person. And it's really not all that complicated. That that really were to show Jesus compassion this week at school. And we're to show Jesus compassion this week at home. I mean, how different would our families be? I mean, how different would my family be? If I practice all the stuff I preached, my family would be some family. Would? It would be some family if I practice all the stuff I preached at home. And let's show Jesus compassion at school. And let's show Jesus compassion at work. And let's show Jesus' compassion with our friends. And you see, people will see that and they will ask you, well, why are you like this? Why do you show compassion when nobody else bothers with me? And you can say, well, it's just because of Jesus. And we were thinking about him on Sunday morning and and his compassion going all the way to the cross to forgive us. And listen, if you trust in Jesus, he will do that for you too. Could you do that? Could you say that? Could you live like that? It's not difficult. The concept, at least, anyway, the practice is more challenging. But the concept is straightforward and simple. The good shepherd's followers are to bring his compassion to others, and that means all others. That even means the really awkward people. Do you know any really awkward people? I take it from that reaction you know one or two. Even them... Show Jesus' compassion even to that person you're thinking of now. And they are a nightmare, aren't they? Even them. Maybe especially them. He knows how Jesus might use his compassion to melt their hearts. Great to see lots of young people in here this morning. Uh, When I was young, when I was 16, I started a flock of these pedigree Texel sheep. And I was given great help by an older farmer, and I was a teenager. And he had such compassion and kindness and patience towards me. He showed me what to buy, how much to pay for them, how to show them, how to feed them. He showed me endless compassion and kindness and patience as a teenager. I'll never forget it. And I know someone, and he shows his followers even more compassion, even more kindness, even more patience than that. He's Jesus. He's our good shepherd. And Jesus shows us and tells us that we are to bring his compassion to others. So if you follow Jesus, I mean, what will bringing his compassion, the good shepherd's compassion to others, what will that look like this week and next week and and every week? With our families, how can we show Jesus' compassion? That's where we need to start with our families. That's where I need to start with my family. At school this week, You might be off on Monday, but you're probably in on Tuesday. How can you show Jesus compassion there? At work, how can you show Jesus compassion with your neighbors, with your friends? How can you show Jesus compassion? Let's ask Jesus, who's our good shepherd, when we trust in him, let's ask him to help you understand and help me understand what it will look like for you in your particular situation to show his compassion to others. And then here's the tricky bit. Ask him for his grace to go and do it. See, folks, if we don't go and do it, this sermon's a waste of time. Total waste of time. Will you and will I, by God's enabling, if we love Jesus, will we ask him for his grace to go and do it? To show his compassion. Because you see, The good shepherd's compassion needs to action. It took him to the cross. And it should lead us to action too, to love him back for his love for us. And then to show that compassion even to the really awkward people. Because folks, that's what changes families, workplaces, schools, communities, and turns them upside down for Jesus. I believe that hope you do too let's pray Lord God you've shown us great compassion in Jesus he came Lord not as these imperfect shepherds who left people just feeling empty harassed and helpless but he came as the good shepherd thank you for his life and death and rising again on behalf of anybody at all who will trust in him love him back help us Lord if we've never done so to love Jesus back And then help us, Lord God, to show his compassion to others, even the really awkward people this week at school, at work with our family, with our friends, with our neighbours. And as they see Jesus' compassion in us, may they want to know why we're different. And may we, Lord, just very simply be able to tell them, well, it's all because of Jesus. And his compassion can be yours too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.